brightest day and blackest night. I swear this comic's proper shite. If it's okay, I think I might shut off the Zoom and say goodnight. Hello and welcome to the Multiverse of Badness, the comic book podcast where we delve into the absolute worst the industry has to offer. I am Zach, and as always, I am joined by my right-hand man, Mr. Michael. How are you doing? I must say, I am quite jealous of your skills on the microphone there. I know it's a Green Lantern rhyme. I tried to dabble in some writing myself this week with for Penguins on Parade, but I'm not sure how that went over on the Twitters. I guess uh, we'll find out if we get any negative reviews. But thank you for such a great introduction. <laughs> and how is everything going? Are we ready to dive into this amazingly, I'm not even sure if it's a bad comic. It's just, or let me rephrase it. I'm not sure if it's a bad villain, but I do know it's a bad comic. It's absolutely a bad comic. This thing has been an absolute nightmare to do any form of research into. Uh, we today will be looking at Green Lantern number eight of the Silver Age Hal Jordan run, October 1961. This book came out where Green Lantern will be going up against the Zegors. I think that's how it's pronounced. Now, as I say, there is absolutely no information about this online anywhere other than the comic itself. Uh, Mike, is it Zegas or Zegors? You know, we were discussing whether it was Gila Monsters or Gila Monsters before, so if we can't even decide between that, I don't know if we're going to decide on something that has probably never been pronounced out loud by anyone other than the, those who actually wrote the story. <laughs> uh, fun little side story before we do get into this. When I used to play in a punk band called The Low Blows, we had a song written, but no lyrics. I, I knew where I wanted the lyrics to be, and it turns out that the Green Lantern Oath fit perfectly over it. <laughs> so uh, the lyrics were, uh, I would sing, uh, Through Brightest Day and Blackest Night, and then gang vocals, we'd all go, Fuck you, I am Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. We need to get more of those old punk songs of yours on the show. Sadly, none of them are recorded. I'll write one. I'll write you a nice little uh, comic book punk song. I would love to have a ditty written about the Green Lantern by you, Zach. It warms <laughs> my heart. So let us get into this. Uh, now, one thing I absolutely love straight away is you get the cover, which is quite artistically drawn. Now, it is Hal Jordan going up against uh, a Gila monster or Gila monster. We haven't settled... <laughs> Which one it is, but a Zegor or Zegor, which is a Gila monster or Gila monster that have been living underground. For you see, this story takes place in 5700 AD. How did Hal Jordan get there? But as I say, you get this really beautifully done cover. And then the first page is the same image, but drawn in the style of the book that you are about to read. And it is so harrowing it's such a gut punch on the first page of like buckle in kid this is gonna be a ride yeah and it bothers me just slightly that they change the words ever so slightly between the cover and the first page i don't know if you noticed that they're just slightly different <laughs> they changed the color of the monsters on the cover they are a blood red then you open the book and they are like your uncle's torso. Like, <laughs> this thing hasn't seen sun in millennia. It is fleshy and horrible. Uh, I showed this to my fiance, just like, you have to look at this book that we're doing. And the first thing she says, like, why are they made out of flesh? Why do they have man hands? 
<laughs> and why are they wearing the world championship belt? I don't know. Um, so to set up the story, I think we'll just do a little read of what it says here on the first page. In the year 5700, man's very mastery of the earth hung in a duel between the Green Lantern and his foes, the Zeagles. Startling evolutionary forms of the tiny Gila monsters of our day. But how did this critical turn of events ever come about? And what fantastic force transported the Emerald Gladiator to a time so many eons from his own? For the fantastic answers, read... The Challenge from 5700 AD. There are no fantastic answers in this book. No, there aren't. And the one thing that bothers me too, and I know a lot of things bother me about this story. Let me try to rephrase that. One thing that I do not like in this entire comic is I feel like everything is too verbose. The person that wrote it realizes it's kind of ridiculous. So instead of actually giving us a nice comic, we get a lot of mansplaining panels of, oh, this because of this, this because of this. So I don't know. Do you guys have Cliff's Notes in Wales? Cliff's Notes. Now, I know of them, I believe, but from uh, popular culture, like The Simpsons, maybe. Are they like... Uh, boiled down versions of books, so you can just get the basic facts of them. Right, it's it's like a book with no enjoyment of the of the actual book. It's just the facts. <laughs> oh, <man>. Great. <laughs> so yeah, we get a lot of that in here. So it, instead of having what could have been a Hal Jordan slash Green Lantern graphic novel, we get thirty two pages with a bunch of cliffs and it was crammed in. There is a lot of just shoehorned exposition, just so that any of it makes sense and. Spoilers, Mob Squad, it does not. <laughs> so we start in Star City. Now, just to clear this up, this is Solar City, but back in 1961 was referred to as Star City, not the Star City that Green Arrow is from. It's a different place. Uh, but the year is 5700, and the leader, or the solar director of the Galactic Council, sits tentatively at his desk. It is none other than Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. Now, how, Zach, could this have possibly happened? Well, just a little interjection. If you look at the panel of him sitting there, is that a Captain Computron on his desk? Shit, I think it is. That looks like a Captain Computron, I'm just saying. Yeah, either that or it's a very aggressive-looking fleshlight. <laughs> it's got those fins for extra aerodynamic stability. <laughs> um, so just to breeze through the setup, it turns out that it's the year 5700 AD. Uh, humanity has conquered many planets, making a solar empire, as you will. Now, it's only been a couple of thousand years, but the delegates of each planet have evolved to live in the um, the atmospheres of the planets that they've colonized. That is really fast, just a couple of thousand years. Also, the thing that bothers me is we are, what, now 3,700 years into the future, and every one of these delegates is a man. There's not one female delegate. You even have a guy here, because I thought smallpox was eradicated, but the guy in the middle looks like he's eaten up with something. Oh, he is not a well-looking man. Not only is he, like, gray with dark holes all over his face, but they've drawn him really gaunt as well. <laughs> he's from the trash planet. Uh, but they, the Solar Council, they are in Star City, and they needed to elect a new solar director. So 
what other way than uh, of uh, <laughs> they basically say that everyone in their time is a coward and not worthy of the <laughs> position <laughs> so they look back in time using their futuristic space science and they find Hal Jordan the perfect man test pilot superhero Ryan Reynolds he's got it all going for him we'll get into some of the problems with picking Hal Jordan later but the first thing i do want to point out about Hal Jordan is as they say he is absolutely Fearless. He is a champion of champions. Didn't the whole reason Parallax take him over is because he was susceptible to fear? I'm just saying they should know this. I <laughs> I don't know how often they monitor Hal Jordan. Maybe they just caught him on a good day and like this guy rules. Like didn't seem to go up against Sinestro or anything. I just want to go in saying as well, I am completely ignorant to Green Lantern. It's never a a character I've enjoyed, so you have to uh, you have to hold my hand through a lot of the law, I can imagine. So anyway, they find Green Lantern, and they decide he uh, perfectly exemplifies all of the traits that they need in a solar director. They have the technology to bring him to 5700 AD, the problem being it will wipe his memory. And what do they do? They come up with a fake backstory, call him Pole Manning, a space explorer, and... You were wrong, Mike. There was a woman in the room during the solar meeting. Oh. There was the administrative uh, assistant, uh, Iona Vane. Uh, she's, I, I love the idea that they're doing like a meeting in the future, and she's got like an actual old-school 70s filing cabinet. <laughs> exactly. And I also love the fact that she has been tasked with writing an elaborate backstory that is exactly two pages. Not only that, writing the backstory for Paul Manning, but she is basically told, for the good of the universe, you write yourself in as Paul Manning's romantic interest. A man that good, there's no way he wouldn't have a lady on his arm. <laughs> It is wild, wild stuff. Uh, and fair play to Iona for the good of the galaxy. And beginning reluctantly, but you see she does warm to Hal. She uh, she goes all in on the plan. Quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the modern day. Hal Jordan is charging his powering in a really quite erotic pose. The angle of the forearm in placement of the body... It's wangular, if that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, so yeah, Hal Jordan's fucking the lantern to recharge his powers because he needs to fly to the coast and fight a giant gold sea monster that is attacking ships. This motherfucker is big. It's huge. This is kaiju territory. Yeah, this is... We were talking about the pornographic image. This is like the John Holmes of sea monsters here. <laughs> It is just the creature from the Black Lagoon, Godzilla-sized and painted gold. That's all you need to know in terms of the look. But Hal Jordan, being the champion of champions he is, flies in to save the day when, at that very moment, he gets zapped with the future beam and Paul Manning is pulled into the year 5700 AD to take the seat of Solar Director and solve this goddamn lizard problem once and for all. As soon as he's pulled in... Our girl, Iona Vane, she's like, wow, this is going to be easy. He's attractive. I like this guy. <laughs> John Broom, you bastard. Write women as actual people. 
And not only that, what cracks me up too is as soon as Green Lantern gets there, he's already ready to horn dog. He's got her by the hips, and they're like, no, no, we got work to do. You got to put your woman away. I know you haven't seen her in a while. I know she's your little woman toy. Put her away, and you can get back to that after we get rid of this Elon monster problem. The fucking 60s was a horrible, horrible time. Free love my ass. <laughs> it's free for the guys. <laughs> So, Pole Manning, he is uh, in front of the solar, g- uh, the galactic um, Pervert. board of directors. <laughs> I don't know what they are. Uh, and he is being told the history of the Zegos. Now, as we say, the Zegos are Gila monsters or Gila monsters, little uh, American lizards, apparently. And the story goes that they burrowed underground, created a society. Uh, where they grew to uh, easily being about eight foot tall, stood on their hind legs. Uh, As you say, they have championship belts. It looks like everyone's a champion in that society. So (laughs) that's something to worry about. And also because they've been living underground, they now have the ability to shoot destructive eye lasers. Yeah. And the one thing too about the championship belt I love, because the scene where we get to see them first use the eye lasers I don't see them actually use any other weapon other than eye lasers, but I love that they have a holster, like Clint Eastwood style, too. <laughs> it's just amazing. I did not notice that. That is a very good spot. What do you think's in the holster if they're only using eye lasers? Maybe it's Captain Computron. <laughs> Maybe that's what they've done, okay? They have actually taken Captain Computron, because remember what Captain Computron does. It gives you that's, the maximum effect of your brain. That's what it is! They put the Captain Computron, the Gila monster stole it, took it away. 3,700 years later, they want to make sure that they're always on top of things, so they carry their Captain Computron close to their belt. Oh, a new segment, how we tie it into the multiverse of badness, taking all of these stories and <laughs> making one mesh. No, that would be far too much work. Uh, so, yes, uh, they are giant lizard bastards, and it is up to the Green Lantern to, uh, to do what he does best. Yeah, grab women that he doesn't know around the waist and and prepare to get jiggy with it. In all fairness, he's just, and I don't know why I'm defending Green Lantern. Yeah, what is up with you? (laughs) Not in that way, but in terms of the story, he has just been mind wiped and told that that is his partner. But to then still, in the middle of a conference room, be like, all right, bird. It's not on, Hal. (laughs) It's not on. (laughs) Reel it in, buddy. Go back to fucking your lantern. We got work to do. <laughs> yeah, we we see Green Lantern. He, again, Colonel Computron is in the panel here. This is definitely a Computron episode. Uh, Iona is wishing him luck and giving him information about the Zegas and kind of zoned out on this bit of the comic, I'm not going to lie. I was reading this in autopilot. That's okay. But nonetheless, Hal Jordan flies to fight the giant lizards. And he's, he's in a fight with them. And what amazes me is for some reason, because I know this Green Lantern ring is a pretty strong thing. Why is it when it goes head to head with the eye beams, they just cancel each other out? I, it doesn't seem like that would be logical at all. It happens on the cover. It happens on the first splash page and on page 11. There are shots of the, yeah, the beams, are, they just totally negate each other, which obviously is going to make... Problems for both the Zegos and Hal Jordan. What's problematic here is the next panel, our Zegos running away. Now, Hal Jordan just tried to use his ring. Now he's got his backs turned. Just shoot him with the ring now. 
He's a man of honor. Come on now. He's Paul uh, Manning, we, we solo director. We can discuss why that's not the case later on, because he is no man of honor. <laughs> so he goes back to, to Iona to report his findings, and what he has found out is that the destructive eye beams don't actually kill the person. They just shrink them to, like, molecular size. He finds out in one of the most ridiculous ways, and I guess this might be a common power of the ring. I honestly don't know. But the ring actually takes video of what's going on, <laughs> and he's able to kind of slow it down and look at it. And he's like, oh, wow, he's shrinking. So, yeah, who needs an iPhone when you got a Green Lantern ring? He's got a full IMAX slow motion camera built into that bad boy. Because that's going to be cool. Think of the fights you're in, all the cool things. Imagine the foot. His YouTube channel must be sick. <laughs> But the, the thing is now is he has all this technology at hand, okay? We're in the building where the Solar Council is, I'm assuming. Iona Vane is there. And suddenly, an Elo monster breaks in and shrinks her just in, where they're at. <laughs> this is true. They've only been fighting them in the desert up until this point. He just broke in to the secure location with, I'm assuming, a lot of technology and just shrunk her. I would love to see uh, if they did a bit of a backstory as to his journey to get to this point. I would love to see this giant Gila monster in a trench coat, fake mustache, and a hat. Just like, taxi. <laughs> Are you part of the Solar Council? Yep, that's yes. me. Uh, that's me, Chet Humanman. <laughs> All right, Chet, here's your seat. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone's getting blasted. There is a. Gila monster eye power happening left and right. Iona gets molecularized. Uh, Hal decides to, at this point, I believe, shrink himself. Yes. To shrink Using himself. this ring. Because it can do anything. Because, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a HD camera. It's a laser shooter. It's a shrinker. But no, he decides to check in. How's everybody doing down there? You know, it's got to be lonely being molecularized. So he shoots himself down, and lo and behold, there's Iona and all of the solar army. Just like, can you help us here? This is actually quite boring. <laughs> yeah, admits, admittedly, from what they say, no one has died. So nobody's been stepped on. Are they small enough that they would fit between the atoms? Or it doesn't really necessarily state how small they are. They're pretty fucking small. So we'll just... <laughs> we'll go with that. We'll go with, yeah, they are unstepponable. <laughs> Unstepponable. Unstepponable. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like a tennis player from the K Ukraine. <laughs> so yeah, Hal is satisfied. He is happy that all of his little friends are okay uh, and decides to rebiggen himself. Now, if he can rebiggen himself with the ring, why does he not rebiggen the entire army that is down there that could help him fight the oncoming horde of Zegors? I can only assume, and this is just me guessing is that it's a different kind of thing but again we're we're reaching here like you said if he's able to shrink the technology similar but what do i know well what he can do with the ring is make a giant shield that he uses to block himself when he zips past an angry horde of uh gila monsters they look <laughs> like they have teeth in this panel i don't think they've been shown to have teeth so far but at least three of them are grinning maniacally <laughs> in the in the background <laughs> Uh, and soon, as it says in the comic, Hal Jordan finds a lovely little hole in the ground with uh, some type of power vapor. <laughs> it looks like a very ineffective cartoon steam coming out of it. 
And he decides to go investigate. This has to have something to do with the Zegos. And lo and behold, Michael, it is their futuristic underground society that he has stumbled upon. What are the odds? It, honestly, there could have been anything in that hole. Like, I, I have found some weird shit in holes over the years. <laughs> Never found a advanced race of uh, uh, lizards native to America uh, in, in a hole in Swansea. So Green Lantern flies in. He is under attack. There are a load of Zegos here. Uh, obviously, it's their home. But in a bit of luck, he decides to just wreck their infrastructure with his ring. Just starts destroying everything, including, like, whatever it is that is uh, giving the Gila monsters the power to shoot lasers out of their eyes. Right, and this is what I was referring to earlier. You mentioned that he would not shoot the Gila monster in the back because he was a man of honor. He has no idea what is in this building. He has reckless abandon for Gila babies and Gila mothers and Gila children that could be alive in this building. He's just like, fuck it, I'm going all in. Yeah, so this is not a good person. No, I know that. Yeah, you're completely right. That is a one-man war crime. That could have been a nursery that he just took out. Luckily, it was the thing that he needed to destroy. But yeah, yeah it's possible in- though they could be having uh, a lot of workplaces have on-site babysitting. Absolutely, you have to be careful. You can't make assumptions like that without doing proper research. And Hal Jordan is 100 percent guilty of that. Well, luckily. Well, we don't even know, because obviously they may have just brushed over this Hollywood with their powers, burying the truth. But anyway, it doesn't mention, but Hal Jordan saves the day. Uh, soon after, he has resized all of his friends, which means he would have had the power to do it with his ring. Either that or the ray, once he destroyed the ray, maybe they... Once he destroyed the back. ray, that's yeah, that's a very good point. Come see, come saw. Uh, And luckily for everyone involved, it turns out the Gila Monsters, or the Zegos, their one weakness, Mike, what was it? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Laser guns. (laughs) Well, I think, yeah. I'm I'm sure they had other weaknesses. You would like to think they would use whatever is in that holster and protect themselves, but no. The holster didn't come into account this whole time. Ah, well, you would be wrong. If you look at the panel on the bottom of page 19, the... Mystery of the holster does get explained. Oh, there is a gun in there. The right. Zegos carry a sidearm should their eyes fail. Fantastic. A military force to be reckoned with. <laughs> well, apparently, it doesn't do a very good job of protecting them. Oh, no. They all get shot to pieces. I think that's the thing, is they have gotten a bit arrogant with their eyes over the last 3,700 years, and with good reason, because this is a pretty effective weapon, and they probably haven't done the proper training to handle that firearm correctly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They've got lazy, if anything. They're like, God, the, the eye power's going to last forever. You don't even need to leave that gun loaded. You're never going to use that thing. That's just a paperweight at this rate. <laughs> but lo and behold, it lost them the war. Paul Manning, a.k.a. Hal Jordan, goes on to be the hero of the day, but before he can embrace Iona Vane one more time in a workplace environment, uh, they decide it's for the best. Now that he has served their purpose, they completely used him, let's face it. As, uh, As soon as he'd served their purpose, they sent him back in time, exactly to the moment where he was fighting the giant golden monster do you remember that thing from the beginning of the podcast 
yeah, I remember that guy. But it's also worth mentioning here, and this will come up with one last point I'd like to make eventually, is that the ruler of the Solar Council, or whatever this guy is, he's the leader of, but he's not the Solar Council guy. I have no idea. The guy that's in charge but needs somebody else to be in charge. This guy was lucky enough. This this situation was lucky enough, and he's able to point it out. In 23 hours, he accomplished everything we could have asked of him. And then in the next panel, he says, well, he has to recharge his ring every 24 hours. Isn't it just fucking lucky that he handled this in 23 hours? Is it that he has become, again, so dependent on the power of his ring that he works to maximum efficiency? He knows exactly what he's got left in the tank and how long he's got to get the job done. No, I think it has to be charged every 24 hours. And we we find out as he's going against this other monster that that's the case. But regardless, I think it's pretty arrogant on this entire race of people that brought him in to protect them, that they thought he was going to get this done in 23 hours. Because if it took longer than that, they didn't bring his lantern or anything to charge the ring. Exactly. It points to uh, guilt on their part of they didn't need him as the solar director. They needed to pull the wool over his (laughs) eyes and give him this perceived power so that he would do everything they needed him to do before being cast back in to a life-threatening scenario with depleted means. Exactly. Uh, This is a pretty big dude here that he's going up against. And we find out pretty quickly, as this thing is throwing submarines around, that he can't use his ring directly against it because, as he says, it is giving off an infra-yellow color, which I actually looked up, which theoretically, I guess, could be a thing, but I'm not sure how common it is, (laughs) similar to infrared. But that's not the most ridiculous thing. First off, let me ask you this. What real hues of yellow does his ring not work on? Is there a specific point? Because yellow has shades to it. So if you get like a pink shop color chart, there's got to be a defined barrier or like a bracket on each side of like you, it will be ineffective from this point on. Or is it just slightly effective? Does it get worse, or does there are there very hard limits? These are. Things I would like I to think that no. I like to think that it, it's a gradual fade in, and there is in the very middle of it like a peak power yellow. Okay, that makes sense. And yet, as we said here, discussing why it's ridiculous that a green ring can't work against yellow, that's not the dumbest thing that happens in the last three pages here. <laughs> Is that what you're alluding to, uh, the giant monster using the submarine to menacingly hit his hand like a baseball bat? (laughs) It's like, come here, motherfucker. (laughs) It's actually not what I'm referring to, though that is a great one. What I'm referring to is Hal Jordan building a chemistry lab on the bottom of the ocean, creating a giant test tube to pour on this monster and disintegrate him. Yeah, what's it? Uh, Aqua Regia? Aqua Regia? I looked into it, and it is like an insanely powerful acid that is capable of melting gold. So he did just acid attack this monster. That was a painful and grueling death that monster just suffered. Yeah, as you mentioned, Hal Jordan gives zero shits about war crimes. This is true. He is the the Emerald Atrocity. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that is all I've got. That's, yeah, that's all there is, Mike, to be honest. And then I think he has a little powwow with someone else, charges his ring, and we see in the very last panel, Iona using her future technology to pine over Paul Manning, the man who never was. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, poor Iona. She's the one that you feel the sorriest for in all this. She's oh, going to just have to go back. She's absolutely the real victim here. She got, in a workplace scenario, forced into a sexual relationship, fell in love with the man only to have him ripped out of her arms. She, yeah, yeah, she was Stockholm Syndrome shit here. It is fucked. You wouldn't get away with that these days. It'd be tribunals. <laughs> Oh, God, but that is it for the story. And it's honestly a bit of a wild one. Now, what we need to do at this juncture is rate our experience with Paul Manning versus the Zegos. Mike, I'll put it up to you. What are you going to use as your unit of measurement? And how many of those will you give this book? I'm going to use smallpox infested world leaders. And I'm going to give this a (laughs) solid two. Uh, It's not a one and a half. It's not nearly as bad as Colonel Computron as we've seen. It's not a great story, though. There's a lot of problematic use of women in this. The story is stupid. There's a lot of plot holes. The artwork's good. I have very much a fondness for the way that Green Lantern flies in all these images. It cracks me up. I don't know why, but it's an old comic doing old comic things. Two smallpox infested world leaders. I am going to rate this on flesh lizards. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I wanted to like this. I really did. I, I, I tried to allow myself to get excited about this book, but it just left me feeling hollow at every turn. It's a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, really ham-fisting the story. As you said, just the only female character in the entire book, uh, basically gets sex trafficked. <laughs> I'm going to agree. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say two. Yeah. Because the art was nice. It was, a, apart from the flesh lizards, it was a pretty book. It definitely was. So how would you break something of this into said real world? So I wanted to mix it up for this week's episode, if you will uh, bear with me on this. Now, it's going to be hard to bring the Zegos into any type of real world but let's just say they have okay okay you never see any dialogue from the zegos but let's assume they have a leader that can speak who do you cast as the leader of the zegos you've caught me flat-footed this is way too difficult a question i assume you have someone in mind yes i do have someone in mind uh i would cast as the leader gilbert godfried (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty good imagine that like you, you uh, there's a lot of tense battling against the Zegos pushing back against the army and you finally get to meet the leader and that voice comes screeching out of it I don't have anything better the only voice I could think that's comparably annoying and I'm not sure if you this made its way to Wales but do you know who Urkel is from Family Matters I'm aware of Urkel okay yeah it's very I could see an Urkel voice being annoying but as far as being a leader I don't think he's going to do well well do you have a way that you could bring it into modern pop culture then go back to the original format did the movie nine to five ever come to wales is that anything to do with dolly parton it is dolly parton lily tomlin and jane fonda okay capture their boss and rework the workplace so i'm thinking iola Vane takes her boss dabney coleman swansea style sticks him in a room chained down and she takes over the solar council that's what that's what i want to see Oh, she could go rogue anti-hero and change her name to Iona Gunn. <laughs> she, she could. Yeah. She, she could. Uh, I'd, so, I'd yeah. like that. She, she takes the Solar Council by force, but for the betterment of everyone. 
Exactly. And similar to nine to five, when the leader escapes, he's ready to do bad things. I own a vein, but he realizes he's like, wow, this really is a change for the better. Or before that, he meets up with the leader of the Zegos, voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. They make a plan, but in the the third act reveal or twist could involve him being like, I was wrong, you should. And she's like, too late, I own a gun, and just starts mowing everyone down. <laughs> but before she does that, she forces her ex-boss to be a sex slave to the Zegals. There we go. That's the script. Lock it in. Hit us if you want to produce this for us. We're ready. How might they reach us, Zach? So you can email us at flesh lizards with the hands of men at multiverseofbadness.com you can email us at oh my god is that thing using a submarine as a baseball bat at multiverseofbadness.com you can reach us at futuristic workplace crimes at multiverseofbadness.com and if you would like to reach us on our socials, you can reach us on the Twitters at Multiverse of Bad. You can reach us on Instagram at Multiverse of Badness. And that is pretty much it. Well, what a, what a ride it's been. I'm really glad I, for the rest of my life, never have to look at the Zegos ever again. I really do hope that something comes of these Zegos within the next 15 to 20 years. Obscure is in now. All of the... You see that a lot with a lot of the, especially television villains. They like to find obscure villains to fill it out so they don't waste it on the movie. So maybe we'll see the Zegals show up eventually. Well, only time will tell. And on that note, it leaves me to say, Mob Squad, thank you for once again sticking with us. We love you very much. Join us next week on The Multiverse of Madness. I was hoping you'd say the multiverse of flesh lizards. <laughs> 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 <laughs>